Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 24, volume 24, week 24, number fucking 24. Thank you for tuning in. Big show this week, exciting show as always. Lots in store, lots of things to cover, lots of things ahead. So we've got all the Mosh news, we've got Mosh reviews, and... Our Mosh interview this week is with Detlin of Melbourne Hot Upcoming Band Advocates. So all of that's coming up in the show. Let's kick things off with the Mosh news this week. And unfortunately, some of the news this week has to do about Vinnie Paul passing away at age 54. At the current time of recording this, all it is known is that he passed away in his sleep. It's a tragic thing not only for someone like myself who grew up and was obsessed with Metallica during my teenage years, but also just for everyone in the metal community it seems. There's been a big outpour on social media and it's understandable. Pantera are easily and arguably one of the biggest bands of metal of all time. You know, they're up there with Metallica and Slayer and all of these kind of other bands. For me personally... Pantera were vital in my upbringing and turning me into someone that liked heavy metal. When I was growing up, music was big in the household. My mum's an ex-music teacher and an ex-English teacher. So music was always in the household. And from a very young age, I was always listening to music. When I was about 12 to 13, I was really starting to discover hard rock. You know, my favourite bands at the time were Aerosmith, Alice Cooper... Akadaka, these kind of bands. Now, in 95 or 94, I was around 12 or 13, really showing my age here, but I really wanted a VHS that had just recently been released. It was called For Those About to Rock. At the time, the reason I wanted this VHS was because ACDC were on this VHS and they were performing four or five songs, something like that. Now, the other bands on this were also Metallica, Black Crows and Pantera. Now, I remember watching this VHS and the only band that really stood out for me was Pantera. I was just gravitated towards this frantic energy this band had, this groove, this undeniable instinct towards this band I couldn't resist. And from there, I just became obsessed. I had a tattoo of Pantera... I had everything of Pantera, and I still do to this day have everything by Pantera. I was also really lucky that I got to see Pantera live as a band when they toured Australia on the back of their album Reinventing the Steel. I'd only just moved to Australia that year, and I was so desperate to go that I remember mum didn't want me to go to this concert, which was at Festival Hall, on my own, but I begged, I begged, I begged, and she did let me go. And still to this day, it is in my top three gigs of all time. To be able to stand there and just be in awe of this band that I idolised, and I was, I think I was about 17, maybe, about 17, and just stare and just hear every song I wanted to hear, and just, you know, the showmanship that everyone in that band did, from Rex to Vinny to Dime and Phil. I mean, Phil was absolutely fucking trashed, and he said some very weird fucking things, 
but it was such a moment for me. And from there, that band gave me this real big live music experience. And because of that experience with Pantera, I then went to so many shows and still do and constantly love the live music environment. So for that other reason, I'm also forever grateful to Pantera. So when this happened last week, I was very shocked, very saddened. But one thing we do have that will never go away is the music that Vinnie Paul did do. Now, not only Pantera, but Damage Plan and Hell Yeah. Now, no matter what your thoughts are on Hell Yeah and Damage Plan, which personally, I liked Damage Plan, but Hell Yeah for me was never quite my cup of tea. No matter your thoughts on that, the thing about Vinnie Paul that will forever be an extra level of respect for me was he carried on despite Dimebag being shot in front of him. Vinnie didn't have to carry on. He could have retired. He could have stepped away from music. And I don't think anyone would have held a grudge to him. But he carried on. And despite all of that, he was still able to be as positive of an influence on people and music. And I think that's something I think we forget is that he went through all of that with his brother and still carried on being a positive influence and a positive fella. A lot of people are saying that they got to meet him and he was such a nice down-to-earth guy. And that's amazing that people have had these memories. And I think also at this time when something tragic happens, you need to remember a few things. You've always got the music there. And if you've never discovered it, go in and discover it now. But the other thing I really wanted to say, because there has been quite a few people, not only in the music industry, but also personally that have passed away over the last year or six months, Make sure you are spending some time with your loved ones. Make sure you're telling your loved ones that you appreciate them and you love them because this is just a moment for me that reminds me that what we have doesn't last forever and it can all go in an instant. So make sure you're showing your loved ones and your family some love this week. Make sure you send your mum a text just saying you love her. Do those kind of things and don't just do it this week, but do it every week. So that's pretty much all I wanted to say on it. It was, it's turned into a little bit of a ramble, but I think you get the idea. Much love, Vinnie Paul. May you rest in power. May you be partying hard with your brother. So let's move on to the main Mosh news of this week. And this week we've had a few things going on. Fozzie. The band fronted by Chris Jericho have announced an upcoming Australian tour. It's called the Judas Rising Tour. It's going to kick off in Auckland on Wednesday the 7th of November, then hits down in Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide and finishes off on the 14th of November in Brisbane. Tickets are on sale now from silverbacktouring.com. Make sure you grab a ticket if you're into Jericho and the Fozzy Boys. Other big tour news this week was the Black Dahlia murder themselves, the Brutal Boys, are coming down to Australia and bringing their Nightbringers tour to our shores. It's all going to take place in September. It's kicking off on the 21st of September in Perth, then touches down in Adelaide, Melbourne, Hobart, Newcastle, Canberra, Sydney and Brisbane. It wraps up on the 28th of September. 
massive fucking tour. And what makes it even bigger is Black Dahlia Murder are bringing the brutal, brutal boys in Aborted and our very own Zeolite for the entire tour. Tickets are on sale now and they are going to sell like hotcakes. So get a fucking ticket. Make sure you get down to this absolute savage fucking show. Don't miss out. Now, speaking of Aborted, this week they have announced their new album will be called Terrorvision, and it will be coming out on September 21st through Century Media Records. All the track listing and the artwork has been revealed, and apparently next week we will have the first single. Artwork looks fucking sick. It is just that very cliche in a way of saying it, but it's just that brutal alien gore artwork. Really exciting artwork, and that's something that Aborted have always done. Make sure you pay close attention to our website and social medias because we will be releasing that first single when it is released. While we're still on the subject of brutal music, the absolute death metal icons and legends Deicide have announced their 12th album will be released on September 14th through Century Media. The album is called Overtures of Blasphemy and it's sure to hopefully be another classic. I know a lot of people are saying they were only into Deicide back when they really started, but they're absolute icons in the game and pioneers in the death metal game. So that album should be really exciting. Hopefully we'll get some more music before it is released. They also released the artwork for it along with the announcement and it's something savage. You got a skull going on. It's very red and black. It looks really quite exciting. The artwork is really engaging. It's great to see bands like Aborted and Deicide still believing in artwork. It's something that I'm a big fan of. And it, both of those albums have some great fucking artwork. Other release news this week was Converge have out of nowhere suddenly released their new EP, Beautiful Ruin, through Death Wish Inc. and Epitaph Records. The EP has out of nowhere, like I said, suddenly been released. It's really exciting to hear more Converge music. Converge are, without a doubt, one of those bands that, if you haven't quite got into them, you need to give them a shot. They're very pioneering in their sound and really have paved the way for bands like Code Orange and Vane and these kind of ones that were spoken about previously. So this EP is out now online. So make sure you get on your iTunes, your Spotify, and get into it. We will be reviewing it, but that will be coming up next week. Really got to get a chance to get into it before I review it. Other album news this week, we've had a lot of them announced this week is the new album by Fit for a King will be called Dark Skies and it will be getting its release on September the 14th through Solid State Records. Fit for a King recently dropped their first single off it and I'm interested to see where this album's going to go. They're a band that I do have a massive amount of love for. I really, really love their last album, Death Grip. So I'm hoping... Dark Skies carries on that momentum that the band have created through Death Grip. Hopefully we'll hear more music before it's released, but as I said, Dark Skies, new album, September 14th, coming out on Solid State Records. 
Stone Sour made an announcement this week that the deluxe version of Hydrograd will be released August 31st through Roadrunner Records. They also unleashed a new song along with this announcement. So the deluxe version of Hydrograd will be what you pretty much expect when you get told you're getting a deluxe version. There'll be leftover B-sides from the recording session, there'll be some covers and there'll be alternative recording versions of songs on the album. So it's definitely a collector's piece. For me, I get really frustrated when bands do this after they've released an album. My kind of thing is if you're going to release a deluxe version, do it when you release the album. That way you give fans kind of the choice of do you want to spend 20 bucks on the standard or do you want to spend 30 on the deluxe? It really annoys me as a collector of CDs. If you've already bought the album when it first came out and then six months to a year later you're being told, hey, we've got a special edition, a deluxe edition, you're like, I already have a fucking copy. My, oh, fuck. So fans will love it. And that, as I said, gets released on August 31st through Roadrunner Records. Other news this week was Set Sights, the hardcore band from California, are releasing their debut album on September the 7th through Tragic Hero Records. And to coincide with the news, they unleashed a new song called Planted. And this is a band I stumbled across and I'm really quite excited about. It's hardcore, but then it's not quite. It's melodic, it's metallic. It also has that very influential 90s Rage Against the Machine feel. Really quite excited for this album. And that, as I said, is going to be released on September the 7th, and it is going to be called The Heavy Alternative. A music video from Berry Tomorrow was released this week, and it is called The Age. It is the third music video from their upcoming album Black Flame, which comes out in two weeks, and it's really, really good. It's a little bit more on the melodic side of the previous singles that they released, but it is quite exciting. This album, I really feel, is going to set this band onto another level. They're already really quite big in England, but I feel this album could send them higher on the American stage. Maybe Australia will finally wake up to this band. Barry Tomorrow have toured here before with The Ghost Inside and I Killed the Prom Queen. And to be honest, it was quite disappointing seeing the lack of reception they got at the time so I think this album Black Flame as I said released in two weeks will really skyrocket this band a bit further we will be reviewing that album in a couple of weeks as well once it's out now the only negative I have on this is it's the third music video released off this album one of my pet peeves with bands nowadays is that they release too many songs off an album before it's released I kind of feel like Two is enough. I know a lot release three, but I think three is too much. And now if your album's, let's say, nine tracks, ten tracks, you've already pretty much heard a third of the album, and I feel the excitement can kind of wane on you because if you listen to those songs too much, when you get to them on the album, when you're listening to them, you might want to skip them because you're like, I just want to get to the new stuff. So bands out there, let's try and hold back, I really think, how much you promote with new music. That's the only negative thing I really have to say about that. But as I said, Black Flame coming out in two weeks and the song is called The Age and 
fuck yes, it is sick. So, that is all for the Mosh news. There is one other bit of news I want to just announce and say this week, and that is that we are officially on Spotify. Fuck yes, finally there. You will now be able to get all of our previous episodes on Spotify and every episode from this point forward will be on Spotify as well. If you use Spotify, make sure you get on there, search The Mosh Zone, like our page and that way you will always be notified and keep up to date with our podcasts. So thank you, Spotify. It took some time and it took a lot of hard work. You have to go through quite a procedure to get onto Spotify. And Spotify don't let a lot of podcasts on their service. So the Mosh Zone being on there is a massive moment for us. And so fucking pumped, I can't really describe how good it feels to be on Spotify. So that's it for Mosh News this week. Now, of course, if you want to view any of those artworks that we mentioned, if you want to look at the details for those releases, if you want to watch those music videos, if you want to see the tour information and the ticketing links, all of that is on our website and social medias. Now, of course, our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are at The Mosh Zone. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure you're liking and following the social medias. And make sure you're subscribed to the website. Now, when you subscribe to that website of ours, you'll be given an email notification when any new articles posted, any of the new podcasts are uploaded. All of that is sent to your email address. And then that way, you never miss out on any of the news that's going on. So, now it's time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week is the new album by Bullet For My Valentine called Gravity, out now. So, Bullet For My Valentine, most people will know, and I'd be very surprised if you don't know of them. They released two very successful albums straight out of the gate called The Poison and Scream Aim Fire around the early to mid-2000s. And then the band over the last few albums have really started to look like they're running out of steam and running out of ideas. They've always been an angst-riddled, very emotional, relationship-orientated, lyrical band. And they also are a Beauty and Beast metalcore band. But the thing is, they also incorporated things like guitar solos and thrash metal influences. And there was also a massive amount of musical ability and technical skill going on in this band. Coming into Gravity, there has been some lineup changes. There's a new bass player and a new drummer. So when you know that, you also know the writing skills and the writing influences will have changed. Interestingly enough, Matt Tuck, the lead singer guitarist of Bullet has come out and said that this album will shock and surprise a lot of people because it's something completely different and he's not lying. First off the big noticeable things is guitar solos don't feature at all. There's not one guitar solo. The second thing is the thrash influence is completely gone and another thing is the technical ability and songwriting ability feels like it's watered down. It doesn't doesn't feel like a big selling point of this band anymore. They don't want you to feel impressed by how they can play these instruments. It feels all watered down. 
Now, with an obvious change in sound means they're going for a change in audience. So there is a big feeling of going for radio play. There is a big feeling for playing stadiums. They are using very similar song structures in every song. And they're also playing very similar riffs in every song. Nothing really changes from each song. It's all very much the same. This band, Bullet, have definitely decided to listen to bands like Bring Me the Horizon and Papa Roach, Breaking Benjamin, Asking Alexander, and gone, these guys are getting a bit of success. Why don't we do the same thing? And when he said it's a dramatic change, it definitely is a dramatic change. I can't emphasize that enough. If you like Bullet For My Valentine and you liked what they used to do, do not expect anything that you used to love. This band has just lost everything of value in their music. A big thing also is lyrically, it just, it becomes boring. It becomes very uninspiring. There's the same gang vocal delivery in choruses which is full of the woes and wahs which is made for the big audiences and it's full of still the same angsty radio rock lyrics and ironically songs called over it really you are over it as soon as those lyrics really kick in you just fuck off like no i mean i don't need this this is just boring You have to say, well done for giving it a go, but I think when the momentum has been slowing down over the last few albums, such as Venom and Temper Temper, I'm really worried that I think the momentum will completely halt with this album, Gravity. It is really frustrating to think that a band in the mid to early 2000s who had a lot of promise and had a big career ahead of them is now coming into this album and just feels bland and just feels boring, and just feels repetitive. There is the same formula, all albums going on, and unfortunately, I don't think anyone should have to listen to this. This album is like Asking Alexander. This album's just like Godsmack. This is so boring. This is so bad, and really questionable as to why it was made. I feel really sorry for Matt Tuck. He's someone that I've always liked and respected, but I feel along the way he's just falling short and selling himself out. Now, when you say selling out, it's a lot of people question that, but I don't mean as in like he's aiming for the big time selling out. I mean he's selling out his musical ability. He's no longer really pushing himself. This band, will will they still be relevant this time next year? I really doubt it. Will this album inspire anyone? I heavily doubt it. The album I am talking about is Gravity. It is by Bullet for My Valentine. And unfortunately, I don't think this is worth your time. I give this a 1 out of 10. Next album up for review this week is the new album by The Night Flight Orchestra titled Sometimes the World Ain't Enough, out now on Nuclear Blast Record. So the Night Flight Orchestra are a really interesting band when you look at who's who is in this band. you got Bjorn of Soilwork fame, 
And also there is other members of Soilwork and Arch Enemy all going on in this band. Now what are musically Night Flight Orchestra? Well Night Flight Orchestra simply put is 80s, 90s fun rock. You just can't describe it any other way. There is an element of the throwback here and no shame of it. One fun thing about the 80s is when you look back at it now, those songs are so cheesy, but they're awesome because they're cheesy, and the Night Flight Orchestra celebrate that cheesiness. They celebrate the fun of it. There is big, catchy moments, big, melodic hooks, and Bjorn of Soilwork fame is absolutely shining on this album. We always knew the guy could sing because he's done it for quite a few albums with Soilwork, But there is no screaming on this album. It is all singing and it's so entertaining. For an album that I didn't expect much of, it really came out and made me really enjoy it. I had so much fun listening to it. It's the kind of album that you'd really enjoy on a summer's day. It's just lots of happy stuff, lots of good vibes, lots of fun riffs, lots of catchy vocal lines. Really, really impressive. While this band is a side project in many ways and in very simple ways for a lot of these members, they clearly enjoy what they're doing and clearly they enjoy this style of music from the 80s and 90s. Because they're enjoying it and because there's so much fun in it, you can't help yourself but get into it. You can't help but dive into it. This album, Sometimes the World Ain't Enough, is their fourth album, so by this stage they've definitely honed their skills. I really, really, really recommend this for anyone that loves a bit of 80s classic cheesy rock, anyone that loves a good time. This is for fans of Def Leppard, this is for fans of Journey, this is for fans of Europe, this is for fans of the Top Gun soundtrack. This is for fans of good time, classic 80s, 90s rock. The album I am talking about is Sometimes the World Ain't Enough. It is by the Night Flight Orchestra. It is out now on Nuclear Blast Records, and we do give it a 7.5 out of 10. Our last Mosh review this week is the new EP by Painless called No Help out now independently online. So who are Painless? Painless are the ex-members of Amua. Now when Frankie parted ways with the entire band almost two years ago and went on and kind of hired a bunch of new musicians, well, all those ex-members of Amua have created a new band and it's called Painless. So that's who Painless are. Now, what are they musically-wise? Where do they sit? What do they sound like? Simply put, it feels very new metal mixed with kind of that deathcore breakdown tone that Amua were very famous for. Now, where do you say this band play in a similarity standpoint? Well, this band is confusing and jarring at times, and you can take that as you will. At times this feels like King 810, at times it feels like American Head Charge, and then at other times it feels like a Muir. The EP is only five tracks, so it very much, once you get going, it's kind of over with. But I guess they're not overstaying their welcome. 
The EP for me felt a bit too confused. I think they didn't really know where they're going to go and this is them just kind of getting it out and getting the ball rolling. Has it got repeated listens? Not for me. I think the thing is I think the thing is for me is I respect and understand this new metal re-wave, if we want to call it that, that's coming through. Some bands know how to do it well. Some bands just feel like they're rehashing it. When the new metal is done here, it feels rehashed. It doesn't feel fresh. It feels like a band that's just been picked out of 2002 and is still going on. The Amua moments, the heavy guitar tone moments, the kind of breakdown feelings, while they're very well done and very well written, they don't feel like they actually belong. With all of this new metal stuff that's going on, these feel a bit jarring. So I feel like this band needs to find its identity. If you're going to stick to this new metal King 810 American Head Charge sound, stick to it. Or if you're going to go down the line that Amua were doing for a while, go with it. Find what you like and stick with it. Has it got longevity for me? Unfortunately not. For me, this EP I'll forget about in two months' time, six months' time. Will there be an appeal for fans? For fans of Amua and who really did love these guys, there will definitely be that appeal there. For fans of new Metal, there'll definitely be that appeal there. For me, though, it just didn't quite have enough going on to really stick with me and didn't have enough to really kind of garner my attention more than the three or four listens I gave it. A lot of the songs also, for me, felt like they were too similar in structures, styles and sounds. So every song just kind of bled into each other. I'm so excited these guys have decided to get things going again, but I don't know if I'm now excited after hearing this EP. The EP I am talking about is No Help. It is by Painless. It is out now online. And we give it a 3 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews this week. We're all done and dusted. So is there an EP or album that we might have missed? Let us know. Get in touch. Are you in a band and you've got an EP or album coming out and you want it reviewed, get in touch. Or is there something coming out you really hope we do review or you really hope we miss? Make sure you get in touch. So if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch through our email address, themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Or you can get in touch through our social medias. All of our social medias are at The Mosh Zone and we're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Get in touch, help us grow this Mosh Zone community and let this show be your show. So, now it's time for Mosh Interview of the Week. Now, the other week I had the chance to sit down with a really chill dude, really good dude, Detlin of Melbourne Band Advocates. Really excited to get the chance to chat to the guy. Advocates, as I've said in previous weeks, are one of those bands that I'm hotly tipped to really explode over the next six months to a year. So it was a great opportunity to chat to him all about his upbringing, all about the band, and all about where they're going from here. We also got to chat nicely about wrestling, which I know Detlin is a fan of, like myself. Thank you, Detlin, for taking time out for the Mosh Zone. Really appreciate it. 
The chat with Dentlin is coming up now. Do you remember what age you were when you kind of found music and when suddenly you took an interest in music as a thing? Um, music in general, uh, probably I had a young age. I um, My dad wasn't really around um, throughout my childhood, so basically my mum listened to pretty much whatever was on the radio. Okay. Now, so, was it a musical household? No, I'm like the only musical dude or person in my family. Wow. Fun fact. Okay. Yeah, so... Not, I mean, my, my parents, or well, I've got a stepdad and whatnot, um, who's like right into um, old school Kiss. Oh, nice. So a lot of my metal side was into a lot of old school, like your Metallicas and um, Kiss and things like that, that my, um, my stepdad was right into. Um, so that was probably the age of, between the age of 11 up until, you know, until now, I suppose. Now... Since you started off in that kind of territory of like glam rock and hair metal, what was your first album that you remember buying with your own money? Uh, you know, the first album I bought with my own money was actually a Slipknot album. Oh, what? Self-titled? Yeah, self-titled, yeah. Fuck yeah, because you're what, 23? Yeah, well, I'm 23 soon, so I'm quite still quite young, but... um. Yeah, so I, that was my, like, when I first got into, like, metal, when I started, like, being like, oh, metal is, is my life sort of thing, it was, yeah, I started listening to Slipknot was the first band that I really got into. Now, what about Slipknot really drew you in? Was it was it like everyone else? It was not only the music, but the visuals? What about it? I really did. I, I really enjoy the visuals. Um, but um, it probably, it wasn't actually the visuals to start with because I didn't even know what they looked like because back around when I got into metal, I didn't even have the internet at home. Shit. So I didn't even know what they looked like up until later on. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a lot of the music because I, at the time, like full-on heavy, only screaming music wasn't my jam, but I really liked that um, those chorusy singing that they did. And what was the reaction... Like, how old were you at that time? Were you, like, 15, 14? What were you? Um, I think it was 13 or 14. Okay. Now, did you did you play that to your mum? Was your mum around the house when you played it? What was the reaction from family when they suddenly discovered, uh-oh, my boy's a satanic worshipper? <laughs> nah, see, so my, um, my parents are uh, super supportive of pretty much anything I've ever done. Like, I'm covered in tattoos. I, You know, when I was younger, I had... I went through that emo phase that everyone went through. I had the long black hair. I stretched my ears. I had piercings. So my mum especially never really, well, I guess you could never really hated who I was because I was still, you know, just her son. So I got really lucky on that that side. And then what was, was Slipknot really the the band that then that was it? It was all heavy music from then on in? Yeah, for a long time, man, pretty much, from pretty much 13 up until towards the end of high school, I was, like, strictly metal. Like, I was one of those kids. Um, I remember when... Do you remember when Mitch Lucker died? Yeah, yeah. Um, however many years ago. And um, there were those people who weren't into metal who were posting 
Facebook statuses about how, like, oh, he was just a metalhead, he was probably on drugs and blah, 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 blah. I was one of those dudes who was, like, completely against all other music other than metal. Nothing wrong with that. That's how we all grew up, I think. <laughs> well, that's it. So you sort of, I sort of stuck to that one, um, one, well, when I say genre, I suppose it wasn't so, when I was in high school, all those sub-genres and all that stuff weren't, I didn't really understand or know at the time. So pretty much any band that was a, like, you know, played guitar and had drums and had a bit of screaming was metal to me. So. And then w- explain growing up for you then. Were, were you, you're from Victoria, but were, were you growing up in more of a regional area of Victoria? Yeah. So I grew up in, um, I grew up in a place called Broadford. Okay. Yep. Which is. Uh, up the Shunem Highway sort of thing uh, before Seymour, if you know that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit more of a country town. Pretty much if you blink, you miss it. Um, <laughs> which is, I guess, I suppose a lot of regional towns. So, um, but yeah, I grew up sort of out that way and then slowly moved a bit closer as I uh, as I grew up a bit. Now, growing up in a country town, what's that like as a, as a metalhead teenager? Uh, well... Um, especially when you're going through that emo phase where pretty much when you're in a regional town, you either play footy or you're a loser. (laughs) Um, So when I, like I was quite sporty as a kid at the start, but then once I got into metal and all of a sudden metal was like my life and, you know, I had to be angry at something, you know, your typical, your typical teenage metalhead, I suppose. Um, um, High school was pretty, um, pretty shit. Yeah, uh, to I, put it into put it into perspective, it was um being, like you said, being in a regional town, listening to metal and looking like um I guess you could say a thirteen year old girl with long black hair, and I was like really little, like skinny, and I just looked um disgusting, I suppose. Um, did you feel? I mean, yeah. did you feel more of an outsider than you probably already were? I mean, being a metalhead growing up in high school can be quite isolating as it is, so. Throw in the mix of how you look and throw in the mix that everyone's a jock, basically. Um, was it a challenging time growing up in school? Was it hateful years? You know, you just couldn't wait to get away? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you, get, you go through those stages in life where the world hates you in, in some way or form. And um, I suppose being, a um, like you said, a metalhead in, in high school, it's... Um, it's, it can be hard. Um, I was I was bullied, that's for sure. I was definitely bullied. But I suppose, you know, it's, I, I had a good head on my shoulders, I thought. So as you get older, you, you get over it. And there's one thing I learned from my parents is that if you uh, ignore it, they'll eventually stop doing it because they're not getting any sort of reaction out of you. So it's boring. Exactly. And were you, were you the only kid that was kind of alternative and into the heavy music at school? Was there anyone else? No, there was, because, I mean, eventually I moved high schools, not because of the bullying, just due to, you know, my mum worked down to the sort of closer to the city, so it was just easier for us. We moved to, um, oh, I sort of, I live in the deep north now, and I have pretty much for a long time, so I went to high school at a bit more of a, I suppose you could say a metro side of high school, but um, I uh, started my first band in year nine, Fuck. so... With, with like a group of friends that was sort of into the same music. We all uh, were going through the same emo phase, I, I guess, 
at the same time. So, Was it a used cover band or...? You know what? It's funny because um, I dedicated um, I Caught Fire to an ex-girlfriend because the used were like my jam. Wow. Respect. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. So I, I was like right into the used. I prefer their older stuff. Even now, I still prefer their older stuff than I do their newer stuff. Well, their older but stuff still like, had a bit of bite to it. It still had edge. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's it's that, and I feel like the choruses are like are a lot more catchy. Yeah, I think I think or they catchy, catchier. I think they weren't worried about if it was going to be a success or not, and then success came to them, and then there was probably more focus on it being good, if that makes sense in any way. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, no, the use was um, was my jam in high school. Bands like that, Bullet for My Valentine was another one that I got really into. Oof, Bullet, fuck, that takes me back. Yeah, man, that Bullet, Bullet for My Valentine was my first concert. Really? Yeah, man, Bullet for My Valentine, Cancer Bats, and I think Bring Me the Horizon was on that tour as well. Fuck, that's a that's a pretty stellar lineup when you look at it now for the size of those bands. Like, like you said, when you look at it now, like it was still a big show, but it was not nearly as big as they would be now if they came with the same lineup. You know what I mean? Fuck. Now, you said there in ninth ninth grade you started the first band and were you a vocalist in that band or were you playing an instrument? I started in the band as a drummer because I thought drums were so, like, just really cool. Um, <laughs> and then I sort of, as we like, as the guys, because obviously we're a young band, we're literally a high school band, like your typical high school band. Like the only practice we did was at music class. Oh, wow. Um for, for, for the start, like, uh, eventually we did take it external and play shows. But, um, yeah, uh, when I realised that uh, being a, a musician who plays an instrument in a band costs a lot more money than it would be to be a singer, mm-hmm. I sort of just went, right, here's an idea. So we ended up booting <laughs> the old singer out of my old band and I just sort of took on vocals and we just we forced a mate who played drums before to just relearn drums and... Pretty much did the old Parkway style. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, uh, the advantage of also being a singer is you don't have to lug around all that equipment. Did that come into your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Like, it still <laughs> does now. <laughs> are you... Are oh, you... Just, just, just be lucky you didn't uh, you didn't get one of the other guys on this interview because they tell you just how lazy I am with loading in and loading out. Oh, so you don't, you don't even, you intentionally don't help out. It's kind of like, well, I don't need to. It's not well, my thing. I'm that guy who the boys will be like, can you grab some gear? And I'm like, yep, no worries. I'll grab the merch and then go set it up and be like, man, I've got to set up merch. <laughs> or you just grab the cymbal bag. You're like, yeah, I got the cymbals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I've come, I've, I've gone a bit better because the boys get cracked the shits every now and again, being like, "Dude, we're lugging all this gear upstairs. Um, you could at least help out." I'm like, "Man, I chose the singer life. I didn't choose yours." <laughs> yeah, perfect response. Now, and there was a time, there was a time we had um, big like four by twelve orange cabs, and they're like really heavy. And I'm like, I don't want a bar of it. I don't. I don't. They're they're horrible amps for weights. They're probably the, one of the heaviest ones going around. I think. Oh, they're ridiculous. Now we're running like little two by twelves or whatever they are these days. It's great. Yeah, well, they can carry them themselves. Then they're not that heavy. Exactly. Exactly. So with singing, uh, were you taking lessons when you started out, or is it kind of the thing of, you know, you got 
got a hairbrush and got in front of the mirror and just kind of screamed along to your music? Um, I still do that. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Um, that's how I practice a lot of all... For, for the early times, that's how I practice a lot of my stage moves, believe it or not. It's not a bad um, thing. And you know what? We've got a new guitarist, and I said the same thing to him. I go, dude, chuck your guitar on and move to our music because it's you're going to get a lot more energetic on stage and you know because you're, you're practicing when no one's watching so but um early time early days i did um not like you know your, your average singing lessons through school um though my music or my singing teacher was just a pianist wasn't actually a singing teacher so oh. um she, she didn't really do much for you i suppose i did learn a little bit on how to you know breathe and all that sort of stuff but i sort of just sort of learnt as I went on and then eventually got more professional singing lessons and took it to where I am now. So you were starting out just doing the scales and the all of that kind of shit? Yeah, pretty much. Now with your Which voice pretty over, boring. With your voice over the years, have now you're saying you've taken lessons later on, but I mean how have you gone with your voice? Is it something that you've kinda have you blown it out? Ever mid show? Have has there ever been a next day where you've woken up and you can't talk? Uh, early to- early days, yes, I reckon. Because I mean, like I said, I didn't when I first started in the band that I was that I started in high school. I wasn't doing singing lessons at that time because I was still doing drum lessons. Um, so we basically, I was just doing. Well, eventually, once we started playing shows. I wouldn't say I blew my voice out, but you definitely have those times when you where you wake up the next morning and, you, and you, it's a bit sore in the throat or whatever, and you're like, man, I'm... And then I think it was after we watched... I must have watched the Parkway Drive DVD or something for the first time, and they touched on, on obviously blowing your voice out and stuff. I'm like, man, I've really got to... Oh, no, there was the rumour about Ollie Sykes when he had throat surgery or something because he ruined his voice and that's why he can't scream anymore or whatever in oh, yeah. future releases. And I must have gone, oh, I better, you know, do something about it. So, yeah, you just sort of went back and learnt there. So I learnt early, but um, which is probably lucky considering I've been playing music for, I know, the last seven or eight years, I think, so... Now, those bands, those high school bands, did they carry on for a while? Because you you joined Advocates late in the game. I mean, technically, you were at the start of the Australian phase of Advocates. But what was going on for you musically in the lead-up to you joining Advocates? Um, well, <laughs> funny story is we were actually... So, my old band that I started in high school, we ended up taking quite seriously as we were sort of getting on, getting older. Um, so I think I, I joined Advocates when I was 19 or 20, Okay. I think. So I was still playing. Oh, well, we sort of went on a big hiatus, my old band. Um, we had a drummer leave, so basically we started writing an EP. Um, so basically, like I said, it was basically best friends from high school, writing music. It was all fun. It was good. I was actually a fan of Advocates uh, before I joined. And when I say fan, like, I really liked um, the Mindless EP. Um, so one day I was in bed and I thought, I wonder what they're doing. I haven't heard of them in a while. So I looked them up on Facebook and they had posted that they had moved to Australia um, 
in Melbourne and they were looking for a vocalist. So I messaged Simon, who is our drummer, saying, what, have you filled the position? They said no. So I told my guitarist in my old band that I was going to do a vocal cover of one of their songs because I liked it so much. So I did that. He sent me the track because um, my old guitarist was like learning to be a producer. Um, yeah. So I jumped in and did that um, and then sent it to Simon and pretty much they were like, yep, we want, we want to meet you. Um, you. You're exactly what we're looking for. So I went and met Simon and then it's, it ends up getting a bit rocky from here. So basically um, he was like, yep, I want you to join the band. So I told my old band that, hey, I want to join this other band. I'm going to leave, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, man, the backlash I got from these guys was just ridiculous. So, like, we're, we're friends now, but at the time it wasn't good. Fuck. So basically, Yeah, basically, did, they, it, like, talked to me. Sorry? Was it resentment or just pure anger? Oh, uh, look, it was probably resentment, but basically they talked me out of it. So they basically talked Whoa. me into joining advocates and staying with them. So I messaged Simon and said, look, I'm not going to be able to join. And I lied. I was just like, I've, I don't think I've got the time to commit, blah, 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 blah. Um, which I did because at the time I was doing fuck all. Um, so I did that and I kept writing with my old band for like two weeks, I think. Um, and I thought, you know what? I'm really not into this. The music wasn't what I wanted. The song, which turned out to be Corridors, our first single when I, in Australia, for Advocates, um, was just everything I wanted, how it sounded. It was so well done. I was like, this is what I want to, I want to play. So I ended up telling Simon that I wanted to join. He gave me the full spiel on basically like, if you're going to do it, you have to be 100% committed, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yep, I'll do that. And then, yeah, I, I joined the band. I think I did one practice with advocates and then I told my old band that I was, I was going to leave. Um, so I did, I did do a dodgy on my old band, but um, I didn't see a future. And and funnily enough, as soon as I left, the band broke up. So, and and did what you said you're talking to them now, but was there literally silence between these guys who were your friends for so long for ages, or was it kind of something that they got over pretty quick? Um, one of the one of my and again, like these these guys are still to this day some of my best friends. Um, one of them, um, got sort of got over it. He goes, I saw it coming. Like, you weren't into it. After you um, didn't join Advocates the first time, um, you weren't into it afterwards, so I sort of knew it was coming. So he and I were pretty cool from pretty much straight away, but there was a couple of the other guys who I even had, like, we had... At the time, we were in high school when I was um, when we were playing together, so um, we used to get dropped off to shows by our mums, which is um, really, really hardcore. <laughs> um, one of the mums actually messaged me and absolutely gave it to me. Like, Ooh. I'm a shit friend, I'm this, I'm that. Um, I got a message from one of the girlfriends who, luckily for us, is no longer a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> yeah, just hammered me. Like, yeah, it was, wasn't good. Basically, for I think it was probably a month or two I didn't get, a, I didn't get um, spoken to. 
until basically advocates started getting offered quite good shows from the start. And he's like, oh, you better chuck me on the door spot and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, righto. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, was... Like you said there, Corridors was the first single with Advocates, but was there ever any doubt in your mind of, with your decision? Did you ever go, mm, have I done the right thing here? Um, yes and no. Like I said, because um, we didn't obviously release Corridors straight off the bat. We sort of practiced a little bit together and um, obviously went to the boys' house and sort of was continuing to write Corridors. I started laying down um, lyrics. Um, and pre-production and all that sort of stuff. So, from the, it felt so good because it actually clicked so well so quickly. Like coming into a new band, and I and I'd only known one of them prior to joining. Um, so it was a bit daunting in some ways because you're sort of joining a band that you don't really know these guys. You don't, um, you know, some of them. You obviously know that they're committed because. Two of them moved from New Zealand to Australia, so you, you sort of understood the commitment there. But yeah, it was sort of um, scary at the at, at the start. But like I said, it clicked really well, really quickly. And was the idea of just dropping a single just to kind of kind of stake the intent of the band at the time? Because it was still a couple of years before the EP. So, what was the idea of just a single? Just kind of get your name out. Yeah, because I mean, like, from pretty much we started from scratch. Mm. Um, you know, we we were literally a new band. There was only a very, very select few that had ever heard of Advocates prior to us releasing any music in Australia. So I know Jack from Void of Vision was actually actually knew who we were, which was um, which was good. And uh, like I said, there was only yeah, there was only a really select few. Luckily. A few of us, so me being in a previous band who had played shows with and made a lot of friends in the music scene at the start, as well as um, Mason, my guitarist, who used to play in Inelegance. Oh, yep. Um, yep, so he knew people as well. So we had a lot of friends to sort of get the name out there a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we were starting from pretty much nothing. So... It was a bit easier just to drop a single, get a heap of your mates to share it, um, and pretty much go from there. Now, in the lead up to that first EP, The Complex Truth, what was it like gigging-wise? Were you guys pretty much taking anything that you could get, or were you having to really fight to get gig offers? What was the gigging Um, period like? Well, it's funny, because when we dropped Corridors, we got a few quite good shows. I mean, our first show was with iValiance um, in, in Geelong, um, which the show was good. It wasn't huge because it was a massive room and uh, at the time Geelong wasn't, you know, the scene, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, it's pretty far away, I suppose. And Geelong wasn't doing huge things at the time, but I mean, the show was still 40, 50 payers, which I thought was pretty good. Um, so yeah, our first show was there. Um, and then I think, our second show was with Acrasia. Oh, nice. So we we got pretty lucky from the get-go that we were playing some pretty decent shows with some decent bands that were at the time, which um, obviously Ival is still killing it, but um, at the time we're still doing quite well. Um, so it ended up working out pretty well at the start with 
playing shows. And eventually, and at the time, yeah, we were pretty much saying like, we just have to jump on anything we can get to get our name out there, whether it be good or bad. So but, you, um, yeah. So did you believe in working hard? Because something that you guys have had throughout the years is you guys play shows. I mean, you're not you're not worried about you know working the yards, if that makes sense. Working the yards meaning you know you grind it out. You you know that it sometimes there'll be the big show, sometimes there won't. But you're happy to play shows. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we're a bit more selective now. Um, that we're a bit more of a, I guess you could say, a known band. We're still not, you know, we're not huge, but you know, we're we're confident that we can pull enough people to a show if we're on it. Um, well, that's something. Yeah, so we're a bit more we're a bit more selective now. But I mean, we're a high like we are, uh, and I'm not just saying it. We're definitely a hardworking band. I mean, we're always writing music, whether it comes out. At, at the right time or not, we're always pushing. We're always trying to make friends, and um, and yeah, like I said, at the time, at the start, we we're just trying to take anything we could get, um, whether it be opening shows, whether it be you know main support, whatever it was. It just depends on where, when, and as long as it fit in with all five of us, it was just yep, yeah, let's go have some fun and let's play shows and get our name out there. Now this this EP we were talking about that got you know your your EP. The complex truth, um, kind of felt like out of nowhere. You guys then there was a big swell of support. It felt like from the outside, and not to say it wasn't um, deserved or not, but suddenly big swell of support. Suddenly you guys are playing bigger and bigger shows, um, and it seems like the reaction was massive to advocates. Did it? Did you notice that, or did it feel like that being in the being in that phrase that time? Sorry, being during that time. Um, yeah, I mean, like you, it's one of those things you try to be, you try to be humble. You try not to let your ego get the better of you in some in some cases. Like it comes down to you know, all of a sudden we're doing really well, and we're like, oh, we're not going to be playing all these shit shows now because we've dropped an EP and everyone loves it. Um, so. I mean, yeah, we we definitely noticed that it was obviously doing well, which is what we were hoping, um, which I think that's what any band is hoping or should be hoping when they drop new music because it's a, it's a scary experience. Um, we still, to this day, get nervous releasing music because it's like one of those things where, you you know, you put your heart and um, it's not guaranteed it's going to do amazing. Mm. And I think, I mean, did it feel like suddenly there was extra pressure on you guys? Because, like you said, you were keeping yourself grounded, or as as well as you can, um, and there's all this reaction and feedback to you guys. Um, was Do you feel like there was more eyes on you now? Now when you play a show, no matter what size it is, you have to bring the A game, no matter what. Well, we're pretty hard on ourselves anyway, so we're always trying to bring our A game, though we still probably, to this day, come off stage going, we could have done better. Um, and I think if there's one thing we've learnt just playing shows is whether there's 100 people or, you know, 20 people 
or you know a thousand people you should be playing a show like there's one person in the room that's going to change your life in some way like it could be um a manager of a record label or you know someone in a high up company that's going to take your band from where you are now to that next level yeah fuck yeah that's that's the that's the mentality to have now do you this is probably a weird question do you think you know how and why that EP was so popular? What What do you think the formula was? I guess at the time, and I mean, it still is a little bit with um with bands like Alpha Wolf, but at the time, that style of like aggressive, like strong beat, like breakdowny style bands were like in. If mm. that makes sense, like you had like your bands like Gift Giver, Gift Giver, and stuff like that dropping um such hatred music i guess you could say like that aggressive side of music it was just really heavy um i think we just sort of dropped it at the right time maybe and you had landon of plotting you in there how did that come yeah. about that took um that took a year to to uh organize a year um, yeah one year um so that was all me um, basically we sat down and we talked about getting, um, guest, guest vocal spots on the EP. We talked, obviously we had Jack from Boyd already on detriment because we dropped it as a single. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about who we'd want, um, landed tours, um, and the plot new itself is one of my favorite bands have been since, you know, their first album. Um, so it was just, let's, we thought, let's try and go big. Let's try and get someone like him. So, yeah, I pretty much emailed and messaged everyone, like, you name it. I messaged the band's Facebook. I messaged, I emailed the band. I emailed uh, the band's manager. Um, I think Landon had his own manager, so I emailed him. Um, I got a response from one of them saying I'll pass it on to him, but I thought, oh, that's still not enough for me. Um, I'm going to try and get a contact. Um, I think Ash Hull actually helped me get his email. Nice. So, because obviously he's friends with him in, um, through, obviously, the experience that Ash Hall has. So I ended up getting onto Landon's email, showed him an email, and uh, he pretty much responded pretty quickly, which was which was amazing because, like I said, you know, when, you, when one of your favourite bands and favourite dudes messages you or replies to you, it's quite exciting, especially in the case that we we're uh, what we we're asking of him. Um, but yeah, he was like, "Yep, really keen. Send me the song." So I sent him what we had because at the time it was still in writing process. I was uh, we were sort of jumping the gun a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I sent him what we had, which was a pretty much finished song with pretty much pre-production, and I'd only just started laying vocals to it, like pre-production demo-wise. And um, yeah, he um, replied back probably a day later and said, "Yep, this is this is awesome." Um, I'm keen to do it. Um, then I think they were touring a little bit at the time. Actually, no, I think they were on hiatus at the time, like not really playing shows. They were writing their album, um, the one that had 15 tracks on it. I can't even think of the name now, which is pretty oh, It's It's the one with the black and white picture or, or kind of family picture on it. Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, I can't remember either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they were sort of writing that, so he was obviously busy and then... Uh, it came time that we, we had sort of, re- well, like we, the boys had tracked it all musically, so it was all ready to go. So I sent it to him and said, look, 
Um, if you can get it done whenever, that'd be great. He pretty much said, yep, I'll get it done. And he sent it back to me a week later. But like I said, in between, I was just sort of waiting for the song and then we were waiting for him. And like, yeah, it took a year. And eventually, he had, I'd actually got his back before I'd actually done my vocals for the final <laughs> of, uh, of, of the Complex Truth, which was crazy. But um, I remember the moment I got it too because I was with Mason and I was like, you won't believe what I just got. And we both like listened to it together. Actually, we weren't even the first person to hear it. Or well, first people to hear it, I should say. It was actually Jimmy from um, Awaken I Am heard it first. Fuck. Yeah. Fair fanboy moment that would have been. Oh, dude. Like, I think I cried. There was actual tears. Like, fuck. A big moment and stellar song as well. So is Detriment, yeah. though. Um, thank you. Jack. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now... This is when it seems like things went a bit interesting. It's like you guys were around, you were playing a lot, and then where the fuck's Advocates gone? You guys suddenly were not really playing shows that often, um, it seemed. Like you were playing a show here or there, but the amount of shows you were playing seemed to really lessen. Um, and then you dropped a, a single wither. Yep. Um, and then you kind of went back into your shell a bit, it kind of seemed. Um, was that because there was the change of, I know now Robbie's a guitarist, was it because of things like that or was it because, why? What what was going on? Um, yeah, so basically we, were, we sat down with our manager and said, right, what's next? We've dropped an EP. We've sort of talked about whether or not we're going to drop a few singles or if we're going to do another EP or if we're just going to go all out and do an album, things like that. So pretty much the end game was album, mm-hmm. um, which we had, we had already started writing new music around the same time the Complex Cruise came out. Um, so we were, we've been, we were always writing. So basically it was like, right, let's really focus on writing because around the time that we're doing the EP, we were touring a lot. We are doing a lot of uh, interstate stuff and um, we are traveling a lot more and it was just getting a bit hard to sort of practice um, the set list for like tour and then be on the road and then still find time to come down and write and stuff like that. So it ended up getting to that point where we we're like, right, we're going to have to primarily focus on writing. So yeah, like you said, we played a few here, shows here and there. We've, like I said before, we've, we've, we became, became a lot more selective. Mm. With what we're pl- with what we're playing, um, more so because of that hype that you can get. So like, oh, like you said, oh, we haven't seen Advocates in a while. When we announce the show, people are like, oh, let's go see them because we haven't seen them in a while. So it was sort of decisions like that that we went we went about. So yeah, we pretty much for the better half of a year or so, we've been writing an album and playing shows here and there. And I think we've done we've done two tours in the last. You know, a year or so with Foxblood and Earthcaller. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we just sort of like, like I said, be a little bit more selective and to really focus on writing. So then once we start building up again and like really pumping shows, and which we're starting to do a little bit now, we've played a few shows this year, um, it's a lot better for us. Is that something that you guys um, that you mentioned there are very aware of is not only the hype, but kind of like, keeping in people's constant attention in a way because the the kind of landscape now is that if you're not 
dropping a single here or there, if you're not doing anything on your socials for a while, people can forget. Is that something you guys are really attentive to? Oh, absolutely. And like you said, you know, if you're not if you're not doing anything, people don't search you anymore. They just kind of go, yeah, cool. They're just not doing stuff. Let's not look them up. Let's not listen to them, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, we think we definitely know that we have to be active, mm. whether it be dropping your, your photo every once in a while on social media, playing some shows, dropping hints to music, um, dropping your, your singles and stuff, which is obviously detachment. And, yeah, so it's sort of a lot of a lot of things go into it, I suppose, when you when you think about it. But, yeah, um, trying to stay active as well as, like I said, keep that hype and not be forgotten um, can be quite tricky when you're really trying to focus on writing that album. Yeah, and, I mean, where are you guys at with that process? I mean, are you... Have you locked in um, all your songs now? Are you ready to record soon? I mean, what's the progress at? Uh, we're definitely ready to record soon. Um, we're pretty far along. A lot of the songs are re- ready um, to start laying vocals down to. I haven't done um, vocals to any songs yet, though we do have plenty written and plenty to sit down and plan to. But due to, obviously, the last few weeks, we've been busy with the pre- preparation for detachment we've sort of put it on the back burner a little bit too much but um pretty much after this headliner gang will be jumping straight into into our home studio that our guitarist has will be starting to drop vocals to everything and then tweaking our songs and then pretty much straight in the studio so you've still got all the work to do you've been doing nothing then I've done absolutely fuck all <laughs> you've been lazy as fuck you've just been sitting there I, going, I, yeah cool yeah I attend the um, I band practice and like go over like the music side of things and stuff because the boys are pretty particular at the moment with uh, the music side. But we're in a position where we're like, yep, this is sounding really good. Let's start putting vocals to it and then tweaking as we go, like before we jump in the studio. So yeah, I'm gonna have a busy uh, busy time coming up. That's for sure. Now, is do you feel any um, expectations? With this album, are you gonna are you gonna kind of change your sound? Are you gonna become a NSYNC band? I mean, what's the what's the game with the music? Are you gonna evolve, or are you just gonna stick to what you do? Uh, we're definitely evolving. I mean, even you can hear it in Wither and Detachment compared to all the songs from the Complex Crew. We've um, changed up our writing style. Obviously, adding a new guitarist who has a different form of writing style. It's um. It's definitely changing. We're trying to be a little bit more diverse with our writing, so rather than just dropping 10 to 12 tracks of just straight heavy music that's just all breakdowns and low streams, it's going to be a bit more thought out, a bit more structured, better um, musically and and lyrically. So um, it's definitely uh, different to what people would expect advocates to do, I guess, but at the same time, there's definitely going to be songs in the album that people are going to be like yep yeah, that's um that's advocates 100 percent. so yeah like i said we're trying to be a bit more diverse to appeal to a, a, a larger market rather than just that small you know box of metal heads that only listen to a specific genre of metal yeah that's smart though i mean it, it's it's natural bands whether people like it or not bands mature 
Um, and yeah, you guys, 100%. You guys are just maturing. Now, are you guys hoping or planning for a release this year or is it too far into this year so we're looking at next year probably? No, 100%. The goal is to release the album this year. Nice. Um, along with a, f- a few music videos and things like that for the singles and all that fun jazz. So there definitely is a planned release. We're sort of locking in um, deadlines, I guess you could say, so that we can we can work towards something, which is something we're going to sit down with our manager and just sort of, you know, iron out all the finer details and work out. We're already working out costings and things like that, being like, right, how much do we have to have at this point in time to get this done and have it out by this time and stuff like that. So, yeah, this year is definitely the the, uh, the end goal for the album. And it can't be easy on you guys, you know, you're not signed. So, you know, n- not saying that being signed would help with the financial things necessarily, but, I mean, the pressure you guys are under financially is probably something a lot of outsiders to writing music and recording music wouldn't realise. It, it, you guys will be under a bit of pressure now financially, yeah? It is not what everyone expects it to be being in a band. No. Especially, like, even when you join a band for the first time, you're like, yep, this is going to be sick. I'm going to I'm gonna play shows, I'm going to get kicks, and it's going to be fucking awesome. But it's just like, right, we're playing shows, but right after we're playing shows, we're going to make sure we're selling merch, we're going to meet new people, and then we're going to go home, we're going to write new music going to fork out, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars mm. to um, to get this product out. Um, it's, I think there's pros and cons to being in a band. Um, like you said, financially, uh, it's a struggle. Um, we're all sort of saving now, but when we start talking about, right, who we're we recording with or who we're we sending the album to mix and master with, who we're we doing the music videos with, how much are they going to charge us? And then it's just like, Jesus, um, do I have the money for this? So financially, we're in a position where it's like, yeah, we're all good, but come time to be like, right, we're in the studio in the next few weeks. Who's got this much money? Because we've got a deposit. We've got, you know, the halfway through um, payment and then the end payment. And uh, like I said, you've got to pay the people who's doing the music videos and the artwork and the new promos that you got to do. And, you know, there's just so much money that can go into an album. And if you don't spend the money, the album's not going to do well because you're not pushing it as hard, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it like with anything, you you get what you paid for. So if yeah, you, exactly. You spend the money, it will sound good. If you don't spend the money, the production will sound shit. Um, now that song, Detachment, that you guys released, fucking banger of a track. And how has it been reception wise? Because it's an interesting landscape when you guys dropped it, Alpha Wolf had pretty much, I think, two days, maybe, maybe might have been a week stretching, released a single themselves. So, like, what was going on there? Like, suddenly, no, you, suddenly you're even... fighting for attention for, hey, here's a new song. <coughs> and, you know, our full legends, great guys. Um, but, I mean, they kind of soaked up a lot of attention that week, it felt like. Yeah, well... So when we announced that we were dropping the single, because I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Sabian, so we were just talking about his, like, because he shared the photo. I was like, oh, you know, thanks for sharing the photo. And he goes, dude, I've got bad news. We're actually dropping our single on the same day. Yeah. So they dropped their music video early in the morning, and we dropped, We ended up dropping it on Short, Fast, Loud that night. Um, so, yeah, when I we pretty much already announced that we're releasing the song and 
savings, like everything's pretty much locked in to release our music. Um, we thought, fuck, like we've got no hope in how we're going to have to compete with Alpha Wolf, who, as you said, great dudes. Um, but the hype behind Alpha Wolf right now is like they're the hottest band in, in Australia by far. Oh, and easily, yeah. All, all, all the credit to them because I love those dudes. The new single is amazing. Um, and they're the easily the hardest working band in the heavy music scene right now. Um, and they deserve everything. Um, but it was like, Jesus, we're going to have to compete with, with this. So, um, the reaction's been really good, though, for Detachment. Um, we're super happy with it. Um, and, I mean, even though, like you said, Alpha Wolf have soaked up a lot of attention, ours still has had some good good feedback, good attention. It's it's getting on the things we want to get it on. Like I said, it's been played on the radio. Um, people are digging it. People are sharing it. People are listening to it. And that's pretty much all we can we can ask for, really. Now, is that gonna is that gonna be included on the album? No. Oh, okay. I can confirm it's not gonna be on the album. So there will be twelve, ten to twelve brand new tracks. So wither wither won't be on the album either. Nope. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So yeah, detachment was just start, we sort of started writing some songs because our manager was like, let's drop a single. Um, like yeah, cool. Originally, it was going to, the song we were working on was going to be in the album. Then our guitarist sent us a new song, and it was just like, fuck, this needs to be a single. So we pretty much went, let's drop this. And then, yeah, we're like, let's not put it on the album. Fuck. Nice. Good Good move. Good move. Smart move. It means... Yeah, it's means sort of get... to tie people over a little bit, and that way we've still got, you know, time to really um, find it, like, all the other songs really fine-tuned. Well, it also means that the whole album will be new stuff. Fresh. Yeah. Yeah, fresh. So it's it's exciting now, and scary. are you going to scary? Well, fucking, as soon as you put music out there, it's fucking scary as, well, fuck. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, an album. Do, are there any guest spots you want to do? Are you going to do it, or is it kind of like, maybe just give it all to... Detlin, just let him, let you have the focus. Um, oh, we've discussed a few options. Um, and if we're gonna get any guests on the on the uh, on the EP, it'll be one or two. There'll be no more than two. Um, mainly because you don't need five guest vocal spots. I don't think in an album, no. whether it be an album or an EP or whatever. Um, we have got. A list, I guess you could say, like a, a mental list. Not we haven't written them down because that'd be weird. Um, we have got a mental list of people that we'd like to try and get. I guess um, whether or not any of these come to come to play, who knows? But um, we would definitely. Like, I, I think we'd have one or two on the album. Uh, international or local? Uh, well, I definitely want to try and go big. Nice. If we're gonna if we're gonna do it, you gotta try and go big. Whether it be spend the money and get someone you know who's gonna you know push it to that next level, or if you get someone a bit more local, um, I think we'll get someone. If we're gonna do two, there'll be one person from Australia, but it'll be ideally someone known. Mm-hmm. Um, so it won't be so you know local. It'll be more of a oh, the, that guy from that band's on the new Advocates track at six sort of thing. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. 
Are you gonna are you gonna aim for five finger death punch? I mean, that would be massive. I mean, just imagine that. You would be would, huge. Yeah, it would be quite good, but um, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I think um, it just really depends on like the song because we're not really gonna just go right. We're gonna write this song to suit this vocalist so that we can get him on it, sort of thing, or him or her, or whatever we decide to do. Um, so we're gonna kind of write the songs. I'll put vocals to it and go. Fuck, you know what? This this part right here would be really good for you know such and such from this band. So yeah, it'd be sort of one of those things where we decide later. Yeah, it's the only on way. Who... You can't you can't write a song and leave a gap and go. Yeah, that will be for someone else. You just kind of have to write it. Now. Yeah, which is the same thing we did with Beaten. I sort of tracked it all and went right. This is like we sort of knew that we wanted Lander, but we didn't know what song on. Or what song we wanted him on. So when I finished vocals, I was like, right, this bit right here would be so perfect for Landon. And it just worked out really well. Now, speaking of lyrics, I was going to ask a question with you with lyrics. Now, do you find putting yourself out there in a song, um, because you're very personal, um, you know, introspective and, you know, honest with your lyrics, is it something that, you struggle with or is it something that you kind of you don't really worry about you just kind of do it um you know i'm so bad with writing lyrics um it'll take me ages to write a song um i'm pretty lucky in the sense that um i'm not the only lyricist in advocates um simon does help out our drummer um he's written a lot of a lot of songs um and we just sort of bounce ideas off each other um, but as for actually getting the lyrics out there and, you know, you know, like, I guess you, you, you could say, um, being vulnerable. Mm. Um, no, not really. I don't, um, worry too much about it because at the end of the day, you're writing music to get whatever it is off your chest or whatever the case. Um, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing, but, um, Oh, even for the most part, you're dropping songs and you're hoping that someone can relate to them in some way anyway. So, um, you know, you're writing songs hoping that someone listens and goes, right, I can really relate to this song because I've gone through this in my life or I'm going through this right now. This is helping me get through it. Um, but yeah, I think now, even with the album, I'm just sort of not really thinking too much about writing something. It's just about whatever's flowing through our mind at the time. Just let's put it on paper and let's make it some, let's make some good music out of it. So. Oh yeah, per- perfect answer. Now I got to ask a couple of last things, and then we'll wrap things up. But something I got to ask is something interesting. Now, am I right in seeing that you're a remedial massage therapist? <laughs> yeah. What, what the fuck is that? And how? Did, <laughs> it, it's not. Um, for anyone listening, it's he doesn't do rub and tugs, so forget about emailing about that you... yeah I'm, I'm a little bit too um too advanced advanced to be giving <laughs> rub and tugs unless because as soon as you tell people especially when you're a guy like me who's in a band or covered in tattoos as soon as you're like yeah you know I'm a massage therapist, they always go oh you know how much for a rub and tug or how much for a happy ending and you go <laughs> i and every time i will look them dead in the eye and say if the price is right i'll do anything and their face <laughs> immediately goes white or it goes red. So um, <laughs> generally, it's it's pretty funny. So, so what I is it? I won't do rub and tugs, but hey, if the 
price is there, I'll do anything. So what is a remedial massage therapist? Does that mean sport injuries or like... Yeah, a lot of like, a lot of your sporting side of things. Like I don't really specialise in relaxation sort of stuff. Like I'm not going to be one of those guys who go to a spa and, you know, with your partner and you just want to lay and like love each other and relax because, <laughs> I mean, imagine imagine walking into a room with, uh, with, your, with your wife and I'm massaging your wife. Like I look... <laughs> I don't look like I'm the type of guy who's going to make you comfortable. <laughs> um, well, you never so, yeah. know. Some people might be comfortable well, that, with that. Well, that's very true. But, yeah, no. Nah, so, basically, I'm the type of person, you're coming to me with something that's that's physically wrong, like, in with it, within your muscles. So, basically, you're coming to me, you're like, man, my ne- I can't turn my neck to the left because it, it, it pulls and it hurts. So, I'm like, right, let's let's fix that sort of thing. So, is that, so. Isn't that technically a physio? No, not really, because I'm still obviously doing hands-on work to uh, manipulate your muscles and things like that. So I've got obviously, like I said, you, you come to me, you, 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 you play sport, um, I don't know, for example, tennis, um, and you've hurt yourself on your backswing or during a serve, you've pulled a muscle of some sort or your muscle, you've got muscle tightness, Um I can sort of work for a footy club, for example, um, where you're giving pre and post workouts. So basically, you're coming to me before, right before you go on, so I can warm you up a bit, like you know, you know, get your legs moving. So when you're out there, you're warm, you're ready to go to reduce the risk of injury. Um, and same thing, basically, you're coming off. I can do the whole stretching thing, um, but yeah, just things like that. Fuck. Ah, how long have you been doing that for? Uh, two years, so basically in the process of finishing studying in the next month or so, so yeah. Nice, and that, that of course, studying makes it even easier being in a band, doesn't it, with all the oh, no money plus you I've have? Got, oh, dude, I've got no money, I work full time, I'm studying and I'm in a band, I've got no time for literally anything, my girlfriend hates me. <laughs> well, it sounds, it sounds like life's perfect, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, well, it doesn't help that she does shift work as well. So oh. we like during the week, I probably see her once, and we live together. So oh, God. it's sort of one of those. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, before we do my last segment, now wrestling. Yes. Yes. The best part of the whole conversation. It it is with without a doubt the highlight, and that's why we keep it for the very end. Make sure everyone listens <laughs> all the way through to get to the best part. Now that's it. When did you get into wrestling? Man, I've been into wrestling since I was a kid. Like I remember it used to be on Fox Eight, well, it still is, I think, but on Fox Eight of a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I would watch like I was into Simpsons, but I would watch every episode of Simpsons from pretty much nine AM till twelve twelve until the wrestling started. So I was probably like eight or nine when I got right into wrestling. So was this Attitude Era? No, I think it was like the arse end of Attitude Era. So was this when like I, I still was... like watched a lot of Attitude Era as I got older, um, and got more into wrestling. But um, yeah, I think it was a lot of the like the sort of end of the Attitude Era. So was this when Edge was a title wearing guy? Like, was he a big player at this stage? Like, I'm trying to figure out. What... Oh, he he wasn't quite at that big stage yet. Okay. Um, it was before because I think his first title win was after he won Money in the Bank. Yes, it was. So it was. Hang on. Yeah, so, so I was before that. So you were, was this around Benoit? 
Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sick. Now I, I remember when uh, when that all happened, and I like I was young when that happened, so I had no idea really what the go was. I just knew that he had died. I was a huge Benoit fan. Um, I was. He's a great wrestler. Oh, phenomenal wrestler. I was in my early twenties, massive Benoit fan, and then I was at work one day and saw this email, and I was like, okay, right. Well, I guess Benoit's tarnished now. Still love him, but you yeah. can't can't really watch his stuff anymore. Now, no, nah, unless you like can really dig it up on YouTube, there's literally nothing. I still have the old DVD, his old WWE DVD, best of. I think I've got WrestleMania 20, and I'm pretty sure he was. Was that against in that. Eddie Guerrero? Yeah, I think no, actually no, Eddie Guerrero won the. No, actually no, it might have been. I think I'm trying to think because I'm pretty sure Benoit wrestled and so did Eddie, but two separate matches. That was back when the uh, undisputed uh, championship was a thing, or what was it called? The yeah, undisputed oh, championship. Yes. No, yeah, I think you're right. I think Eddie Eddie fought earlier in the night. I think he beat Ray, and Benoit was fighting. Oh, Benoit fought Triple H and Shawn Michaels. I think it was a triple threat. Yeah, something like that. No, I don't actually think Eddie Guerrero beat Kurt Angle. I think. Because Rey Mysterio, WrestleMania 20 was when that they had that Cruiserweight Championship. Oh, yeah. Battle yeah. Royal thing. Oh, you're good with your memory there. Now, oh, who, I'm all over it. Who was your favourite wrestler growing up in that period? Growing up, Rey Mysterio. I loved the mask. I don't know why. The colours, the, the vibe. Um, I was a huge Jeff Hardy fan, but at the time of my young age, I knew who he was, and I'd only seen him wrestle a couple of times because he was in TNA, and I had no idea about TNA until I was in about grade five or six. So were you all so, about the high flyers, were you? I still, to this day, I love high flyers. Nice. Um, I absolutely love um, Lucha Underground, if Ooh, you've ever yes. watched Lucha Underground. Yes, it's very good. Um, I love that sort of stuff. I just really love that, yeah, that high-flying vibe. Okay, so who's your current? Uh, who's one of your favourites in WWE? WWE right now, uh, I'm right into Buddy Murphy because he's Australian. He's like incredibly talented, and WWE do not use him well. Well, he's in the two hundred fives now, isn't he? Yeah, but he doesn't need to be in the two hundred fives. He needs no. to be on the main roster because he's just so good. Um. But yeah, he's definitely one of my favourites right now. And obviously his fiancée is Alexa Bliss. And who doesn't love Alexa <laughs> Bliss? <laughs> who won the title um, on the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, Alistair Black, love him. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'll, and obviously still Jeff Hardy to this day is one of my favourites. When he's not uh, getting suspended for drug use. Yeah, well, that's it. But at the time, not, like I said, when I really loved him, I had no idea about all that sort of like behind-the-scenes stuff wrestling is. Um, and quite frankly, I didn't care. I was young, and I just loved uh, Jeff Hardy as a as a as a character. Um, and I think I feel the same way now. I mean, mm. you know, everyone makes mistakes or whatever, but he's still a great wrestler, and I still love watching him. So yeah, fuck yeah, I think he's phenomenal too. Now. I could ramble about wrestling all night, but we kind of should wrap this up. Now, the final segment I do is called Pick Your Poison. Now, yeah, right. in this segment, you have two options. Now, you need to act like 
this one option, it's all you've got for the rest of your life. So you have to pick one. Now, some some will be simple. Some are going to do your head in. Okay. <laughs> I'll probably be thinking about it after this interview, though. Yeah. Every, I've had a few people who've uh, emailed me afterwards going, can I change my decision? I'm like, uh, it's on, <laughs> nope. It's on, it's on tape now, mate. Um, first off, pizza or burger? Oh, that's it. That's even a hard one to start. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I'll, look, I'm probably going to go burger because I feel like the whole pizza um, phase, I guess, people went through for a long time. I was just like, like, who doesn't like pizza? But I think I'd go with burger. Even though burgers are going through a phase. Yeah, they definitely are, especially now where like all those hipster burgers are going around and those weird fluffy milkshakes that don't need to be a thing. <laughs> um, at those fancy like weird places, and the burger's too big to even consider putting in your mouth. Yeah, and the burger's like forty bucks. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the burgers are burgers are forty dollars, and it's just it doesn't make any sense because there's like eight stacks of really thick meat, and you're just like, I'm gonna have to eat this as if it's on like you know with a knife and fork. It's not a burger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going burger, right? We're gonna go burger. I'll stick with burger. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Ooh, easy on that one. Fuck, straight. Yeah, in. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, I love. Like my mum's like works in a butcher shop, so it's like meat all the time. But I'd have to, I'd have to stick with chicken. Nice. I like that answer because I'm, I'm obsessed with chicken. Beach or snow? Ooh. See, I'm terrified of sharks, and I've said this in a previous interview before. Um, so beach, I don't love, but I also don't love the cold. So I'm <laughs> going to go beach, but I'm not going to go swimming. Okay, okay, good one. Cinema <laughs> or on the couch? That's another hard one. It's another hard one because I do like my my girlfriend and I will occasionally go to the movies, and you know because. The movie theater will we'll go premium, mm. get the recliner chairs, and just sort of sit back and watch a movie. Um, and the popcorn's always salty and good. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll go. I'll go cinema. I'll go cinema. Okay, cooking or dining out? I'm a shit cook. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing the girlfriend cooks all the time. All the time. <laughs> I, I'm the guy who does the dishes, <laughs> but um. But at the same time, we, we mentioned before about being in a band and not having any money. So oh, it's yeah. hard to also go dine out all the time. Um, I'd, look, I'm going to go home cook meal because I really do enjoy a home cook meal for okay. my missus, not me. I'm going to step it up here with some difficulty ones now. Terminator. Oh, that was hard enough. Terminator or Predator? Oh, Predator. Oh, is that is that based off the first one or based off... Like all of them, including Aliens versus Predator. The first one was Concrete Jungle, wasn't it? Yeah. Was um, the second one? No, second one was second one was the one with yeah, right. um, the guy from Lethal Weapon in it. What's his name? Danny Glover. Yeah, okay. That was the one in the uh, in the forest. No, first one was in the forest. Second one was in LA. Yeah. Nah. See, I'm still gonna go Predator because those first two were just really good. I've rewatched the second one. I loved the first one. Watched it about a week ago. Then tried to watch the second one. I turned off after half an hour. I was like, "Really?" Mm. Oh, to be fair, I haven't watched either of those movies in quite some time. But I think I, I think I'm still going to stick with Predator because the Predator and Alien one wasn't amazing. No, but there's a new Predator on the way, apparently. Yeah, I did see that. Is there, was there a trailer, or did they just mention it? I think there was a trailer, but not much was seen. Like you don't see much yeah. of the Predator. 
Okay, good answer though. That was a good one. Sly or Arnie? Ooh. Mm. Mm. You can't I'm gonna go, go Arnie. Wrong. Yeah, good one. You can't go wrong with either, really. Um great nah. guys. Cat or dog? Dog. Yes. Good man. Fuck Just got cats. a dog, it's great. Fucking great. Fuck cats. Anyone listening? Oh my dude. Cat, Fuck cats aren't fucking pets. Oh, I have C- three. Cats are fucking leeches, man. They just come steal your food and fuck off. I have three dogs, and I don't understand anyone that can't like dogs. I'm like, I just don't understand oh. the concept. Like, it's. I 100 percent agree with you. Oh, great answer. My favourite one so far. A uh, couple left. <laughs> Undertaker or Kane? Ooh, what? Which era of Undertaker and which era of Kane? Um. I'm going to go American Badass and Unmasked Kane. So they're both the kind of alternative eras of the guys. Look, I'm going to go with Kane. Ooh, nice. Only because I feel like that Undertaker, like, although it was cool and the whole motorbike thing was awesome, I just, and I mean, um, Roland. Uh, his theme song was like my fucking jam in like grade six, year seven sort of thing when I was like slowly getting into like that music. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with Kane. Okay. Now we've got one more wrestling one in this role and it's Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins for days. Yeah, such an easy answer, that one. That was such an easy answer. I just look – I. I do actually like Roman Reigns because he's quite a good wrestler, but he's just way too oversaturated because they, I feel like WWE has just pushed him down your throat. Like they haven't let his his popularity grow organically. It's just been like, yo, Roman Reigns needs to be in your face all the time. And I'm just like, meh, I'm going to go with Seth Rollins. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But my other thing with that I don't like, the only thing I really don't like about Ro, uh, Roman is that he has no mic skills. He's a horrible promo guy. He's, yeah, he's pretty sick. And ugh. Seth Rollins is just all around great. And he, and he likes metal, so that's a win. Yeah, that Parkway Drive video is still the funniest <laughs> yeah, thing I've ever seen. It is. Now, there's a couple... You know, what I lo- you know what I love about that is because even though like he's like that celebrity status of being a high-end wrestler, he's still fanned out, like had a good time at a show and like went nuts as if like he was just a, a person watching a band. It, it just it shows he's just a legend. like. Yeah, it just shows that he's just a guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's just one of the dudes. Now, Freddy or Jason? Oh, Jason. Nice. Good answer. Good answer. Slayer or Pantera? Mm, or Slayer. Biggie or Tupac? I know you're not... I haven't mentioned hip-hop, but you got to have a hip-hop one in here. Yeah, well, that's it. That's exactly right. Um, well, let's go. Let's go, Biggie. PS4 or Xbox? PS4 forever. Yes. Fuck yes. Fuck you, Xbox. Um, touring or recording? Touring. CD or streaming? Oh, right now I'm a streamer. Oh, okay. Nice. As much as it's... And I know that sounds bad and like I, I'll buy an album if it's like a good mate, but I'm all about streaming. Now, last one. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Nice. Uh, Detlin, before I let you go, I'm going to remind everyone, advocates are on social media. They're on Bandcamp. 
All of that stuff we have mentioned is on Bandcamp, except for detachment. I don't think that's on Bandcamp yet, is it? Uh, I don't think so, but it's no. on everything else. Triple it's J, Spotify, YouTube, you name it, it's there. It's there, all there. Um, if you want a physical copy of The Complex Truth, Advocates also have a big cartel. All of that information I'll be putting on the website, and you can also find it all through the Advocates guys' social medias. Detlin, sick fucking chat, dude. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It was great. So that was my chat with Detlin of Advocates. Thank you so much, dude. Really appreciate you being able to take some time out for the Mosh Zone. Great chat. Great opportunity. And as I've said previously, you need to get into Advocates. If you're a local Australian fan of heavy music, Back the Boys, support one of the hottest bands, I think, going around at the moment. And there will be some big things coming from this band on the horizon. As Detlin said, there is an album in the works. So help the guys out, support them, buy some merch, buy their music online, and support your local talent. Thanks again, Detlin. Really, really appreciated it. And that is... The Mosh Zone episode 24 done for this week. It's all over. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for coming in and checking it out. We hope you come back more often and every week, hopefully. If you're a regular listener, thank you again for tuning in. Hope you had a great time listening to the show. I had so much fun putting it together as I do every week. And as always... Don't forget, social medias, at The Mosh Zone, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And don't forget, the website, www.themoshzone.com. And also, if you enjoyed this episode, help us out. Tell some people, tell your mates, and share it on your social medias. We really, really appreciate the support that we get. And the support is invaluable to helping the Mosh Zone grow. We are here every week. Big shows as always coming. And send us some feedback. Send us some questions also. We'd love to open up a bit of a question segment each week. So get in touch through the email or the social medias or the website. We'll see you next week. Stay safe. Open the pit.